I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. Your brain is directly connected to your feet in many ways. The part of your brain that's designed to get information from your feet atrophies. And, and crocs sort of confuse the brain so much with every step that's being taken in a croc. And because the brain's confused and it can't get accurate information as to what's going on, you can't feel the ground. When you, when you panic, it, you tense. Nature will save humans, not the other way around. And humans need to reconnect. You know, we're all one people connected on one earth through two feet. That everyone is Galahad Clark, and he's the founder of Vivo Barefoot. Galahad focuses on patenting ultra-thin soles and anatomic shapes to aim to make barefoot the gold standard for the footwear industry. You're probably really familiar with Vivo Barefoot shoes that are connecting you better to the earth. And in this episode, we talk about the importance of the connection with the foot to the brain. We also talk about the dangers of Crocs and how to start to re-strengthen your feet. We talk about the significance of your big toe and why your body breaks down when you wear cushy shoes. This is a fantastic episode that really kind of blew my mind and they have a special offer for you. If you want to go and pick up a pair of Vivo Barefoot yourself, go ahead and go to vivobarefoot.com and use the code OPPVIVO15. And this offer is only good through the end of October. In this episode, it really strengthened my awareness to the importance of grounding and having the foot be free inside of shoes. I know you're going to love this episode, and I think you're probably going to want to kick off your shoes and walk around barefoot in your house and go outside and maybe pick up a pair of really awesome shoes. As always, you can find me on Instagram at McCormick. Drop me a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. And also find me on YouTube at Optimal Performance. Ladies and gentlemen, Galahad Clark. And I'm here with Galahad Clark, the founder of Vivo Barefoot. Galahad, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm going to gush and and praise the design and my experience wearing uh, wearing your, your hiking boot uh, here it, it, a little bit later. But I think that the listeners of this podcast will definitely be familiar with the brand. Um, they're certainly familiar with the concept of grounding and, you know, having zero drop footwear strengthens the foot, but I want to kind of unpack it. And so I want to start with like really basic sort of anatomical considerations. Um, so we'll start with this question, which is, you know, why, why is strengthening the foot and the health of the foot so important to um, overall health? Well, the, the human body is basically made up of three systems, right? Let's say the, the skeletal system, your, your muscles and tendons system, muscu- your muscular system, um, and your uh, nervous system. And all three of those systems are super present in one of the most sophisticated parts of the human body, which is the foot. So bit by bit, you know, part by part, the um, the foot's got 28 bones. And most importantly, it's got this incredible uh, big toe uh, that obviously connects up through the talus and things. Um, And the big toe is four times as dense and four times as thick as the other metatarsals, as the other toes. Um, And so if you don't use it, 
uh, you lose it. And so, and, and you know, and, and actually it's obviously connected to all the other bones in the body and the skeletal system. And so most shoes sort of push the big toe up against the other toes and almost suspend it in animation. So, um, and if, you, if, if you're not using your big toe correctly and it's designed to be the body's pivot and anchor point, then you're compensating in a structural way in the skeletal system up through the rest of the body. Same thing with the muscles and tendons. The foot has got hundreds of muscles and tendons and ligaments and fascia running through a super sophisticated bit of kit, right? And of course, the foot is designed to be extremely dynamic. The toes are designed to splay and contract in movement. The arch is designed to be a dynamic arch that is literally moving up and down and the muscles are all designed to be activated. Nearly every shoe in the modern world constrains the movement of those muscles. You don't use them, you lose them. Um, and you know the average the research shows that you know the average person is walking around with feet that are 60 percent weaker than their natural base layer and of course so if you if you're not using the muscles in your feet then you have to overcompensate the, the muscles in the rest of your body up in your legs up through the back up through the kinetic chain in general and then, of course, finally, and perhaps most importantly, the foot is full of thousands and thousands of nerve endings. Your brain is directly connected to your feet in many ways. Um, and, you know, the research shows by walking around in padded shoes in a concrete world, those vital messages from your feet to your brain get garbled, get reduced. And so it literally shows that the part of your brain that's designed to get information from your feet um, atrophies. Again, don't use it, you lose it. And the, and the part of your brain that's designed to get information from your feet is the same size as the part of your brain that gets information from your hands. Mm. So, you know, and, you know, so if you don't use this big part of your brain as it's designed, every foot is designed to be a vital one. And that's, of course, linked to when you don't use parts of your brain, the brain degenerates and we get terrible brain degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and things like that. And there's an amazing guy in San Francisco called Dr. Mezenich that links that sort of not the lack of connection from the feet in movement, because actually a massive portion of the brain is designed just for movement in general. Um, and when you stop activating the brain in that way in that vital way then it causes all kinds of problems in the rest of the brain so the skeletal system the muscles and tendons the nervous system all start in the feet and if you don't use them you lose them and you have to overcompensate them in the rest of the body and in uh you know in, in your everyday life and the whole body works less effectively hmm. that's a great overview and and i think for you know myself and listeners of this podcast who are active athletic the foot can be a the starting point to some pretty serious issues you know i myself grew up playing three different sports. I, you know, went into college and played uh, college soccer and semi-pro after that and cramming my foot into soccer shoes 
you know, four or five days a week for my entire life. I, I I know firsthand the sort of issues that that caused, you know, my, my, my toes getting stuck together, you know, feeling unstable being a, you know, fairly stocky guy that I am, I, I could tell, like, I, I would fatigue easier. And then I would, you know, um, you know, be more susceptible to sort of injury and stuff like that. And it's crazy to me that, that there aren't more like athletic shoes, sports shoes that allow that splain inside, uh, inside the toe box. And so, you know, I think for people, um, I've seen in, you know, CrossFit and, and weightlifters, the, this idea of, of, releasing the toes to be able to be more sturdy while while exercises i think it's catching on i mean do you do you see this idea of of, of releasing the foot uh as uh, a trend that's catching on still well i mean we were talking about it just before the beginning of the podcast right so the the, the barefoot movement shall we say um kind of took off in america about 10 15 years ago with with Vibram Five Fingers and the and, and the book Born to Run, and a lot of people and, and that book kind of focused on running and 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 the whole thing sort of uh, exploded, shall we say, around um, oh you know barefoot running will help me run like uh, an indigenous Mexican person running hundreds of miles through the copper canyons of Mexico. I'll suddenly be able to run further and faster than ever and I'll be healed forevermore. And, and of course, unfortunately, these silver bullets, these magic pills, you know, are, are generally don't exist. And so, you know, it, the truth is that the average modern Western foot, you know, in a, that, that is used to wearing normal shoes is, is weak and deformed. And so... Um, it's and it's a bit like as we sort of just said if you don't use it you lose it so it's a bit like you know in the same way when you have your arm in a cast after breaking it or something um, when you take the cast off you wouldn't go and play tennis as the very first thing you do and and that's the same with the modern foot it it, it is literally sort of uh, akin to having had it in a cast for a while and so when you start to then allow the feet to splay and to use and the muscles to start to reactivate, you've got to give it a little bit of time to regain its natural shape and its natural strength. And if you overuse it and if you overuse weak muscles and weak and deformed structures, then that's when injury occurs. Mm. So um, we're seeing a massive now uh, growth again in the bed, like 10 years later, in barefoot shoes, but it's a much more educated approach. Um, people understand that you know you need to walk before you run, or use them in the gym before you go out and try and do road marathons or things like that. And so it's a much more guided, considered approach. So the sort of barefoot movement in America, kind of let's say ten years ago, went like this. It then, you know, people got disappointed because suddenly you know it wasn't that silver bullet to suddenly shave half an hour off your marathon time and never be injured in many ways it's the opposite you've got to kind of run slower and take it easy before you can run free and healthy again but now people are understanding to use it in their daily life to use it in the gym before they take on you know big running adventures so 
it is happening. And if you look at Google Trends, just barefoot shoes, you know, aside from any brand name, is, is massively growing again now. So the word of mouth, the health professionals, the trainers, they're understanding it, they're guiding their clients into it in a much more educated way. And people are really now seeing the benefit. Today's episode is brought to you by The Amino Co., the most cutting-edge, rigorously researched amino acid formulations in the world. With over 30 years of experience and over 500 medical research papers published, it's my go-to for performance and muscle building. As an optimal performing biohacking dad with BJJ and a ridiculously busy schedule, I want to put the best quality stuff in my body I can. I use the AminoCo's 100% science-backed formulas called Perform as a pre-workout and a during-workout enhancer to increase my strength and endurance during 90-minute BJJ training sessions and other workouts. The AminoCo's Perform blend is three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis than any protein source. I also notice an increase in cognitive function, focus, and concentration, and it makes multiple-day fasts super easy. I've been doing three-day fasts recently, and it's way easier when I take Perform throughout the fasting period. Go check out their science and go check out one of the four products that they offer because they specialize in essential amino acids. Head to aminoco.com forward slash OPP and use the code OPP to receive 30% off. That's aminoco.com forward slash OPP and use the code OPP for 30% off. That's a great point. And just like anybody who has tried a new shoe, even if it's not a, you know, a zero drop, you know, Vivo barefoot, style shoe anytime you try a new shoe and you go out for a run or you try a new shoe and you weight lift or even you just wear it throughout the day you can have that effect and it can be discouraging like man my feet are tired my ankles feel tired my calves feel tight like man this is this is this is tough and then like you said you can kind of get discouraged because i thought i was doing something right by wearing a shoe that's more ergonomic to you know, muscle development and releasing my foot, but man, I'm tired faster. And then, you know, maybe they don't, they don't, they don't look at it again. So maybe if we could go a little bit deeper into this, this concept on, you know, if for someone who has never tried these, who's, who's, you know, maybe they're working out in basketball shoes or really cushy running shoes. What's, what's the best way in your opinion to begin to integrate, you know, a Vivo barefoot into their, into their, daily life and into their workouts and into hiking and so forth like do you do you happen to know like the best practices so it's it's really simple right the um uh start with just taking your shoes off at home and just literally walk around completely barefoot at home so a lot of people do a lot of people enjoy if you if you've got a beach or something go down to the beach go barefoot walk around barefoot on the beach so the best sort of initial thing you can do is just be completely barefoot a little bit more in your life every day the second thing is i would say is separate the notion of barefoot from exercise and performance in in the first instance just start to introduce it into your everyday life the research shows just by walking around using the shoes in your everyday life no special exercises, no training in the gym, no nothing, just literally 
walking around for, let's say, the majority of your time, if you just do that for six months, your feet will get 60% stronger, which is, a, which is an incredible number, right? And, and no, ex no special exercise, no nothing, nothing, nothing. Your feet get 60% stronger just by walking around in less shoes. So then, of course, alongside that, you can do special exercises. You can, you can get a massage ball and work the bottom of your feet. And you can get some correct toes and put these silicon things in between your toes to help them, you know, sort of speed up the, the realignment of the, the structures and things. But in many ways, like the body is an incredible adaptive thing. And if you just give it the space to adapt and the space to natural movement, it will go there really quick, but not so quick that it's going to, you know, and it, the first two or three days, you, you'll be using muscles you maybe never used before. So they'll be a bit painful because you'll be reactivating them. They'll be using them as a bit like sort of, you know, doing a little session at the gym on muscles you haven't used for a long time. Of course, they'll be painful. They'll, you'll be you're using them for the first time in, in a long time. But very, very quickly, that, 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 those, those uh, transition pains will go away, especially if you, all you're doing is walking, just using them in your everyday life. If you want to speed it up, there's, there's extra things you can do. But really, it's so simple as just use the product in your everyday life and you'll transition really quick. I like that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You know, I can't help but be kind of in awe of your your background and your story as a seventh generation shoemaker. And I would assume, you know, obviously it's part of your family lineage, it's part of your history, it's part of your story. And and I'm curious about when you had that moment where you realized, okay, maybe less is more here. Maybe maybe making it less padded, more grounded, allowing, you know, making it less, in some ways, less of a shoe. Um, like when, when was that moment where you realized like, okay, there's something really important here and I'm going to focus my attention on, on creating this type of shoe. There's a couple of things here, right? So first of all, you'd be surprised how few people in the modern shoe industry actually really understand foot anatomy and really understand biomechanics, uh, the study of shapes, the study of forces and how that all works through the feet and the body. There's a very surprising small number of people in the shoe industry that really understand that. I, and I was one of them. I was brought up, as you say, in a, a cobbling family, but I was never, I never learned any of that stuff growing up from my family, from my uh, all the people I knew in the shoe industry. They, they sort of, you know, hint to it, but don't really understand it. And the second thing is that the whole shoe industry, you know, and now from the vantage point I have now, is creating technology and creating sort of um, um, shoe gizmos, shall we say, to correct for problems caused by shoes themselves, right? So it's this kind of weird matrix, and, and it starts at an unbelievably early age, right? It's you know the I went into um, and, I, and I, I, I I learned this in retrospect almost, right? Where 
you get a lot general last is a last is the plastic shape of a foot that you make a shoe around so you have a sort of plastic shape of a of a foot and then you you pull the leather over it and stick the sole on it and then you pull the plastic shape out and you kind of you have the shoe it's the sort of form that the shoe's made on right and i remember seeing um a whole row of lasts of kids lasts right and the and the and the the, the toddler first walker sort of cock shoe almost thing. They look like little feet mm. and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then suddenly uh, the equivalent of like, so, say a sort of four or five-year-old, they suddenly turn into these funny little banana looking shaped things, right? And there's suddenly the heels raised, the toe springs raised, and they, they look nothing like feet. Look like, look, look, so it's kind of looks like foot, looks like foot, looks like foot, looks nothing like a foot. Oh, you know, and a, a child's foot is suddenly at literally age five is put into you know what is quite a sort of structured tough shape for for the equivalent of how soft and malleable the child's foot is from an extremely early age into something that is not foot shaped right and 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 that goes on that goes on from there right and they pretty much wear non-foot shaped things pushing and prodding every part of their foot in motion taking you know thousands of steps every day millions of steps over you know the course of a few years um and and so the the, the problems start from an unbelievably early age and, and and it's very hard to argue that you shouldn't allow a child's foot to develop naturally mm. so i was you know frankly quite oblivious to all of this in in, in you know uh in all honesty and it was wasn't till i was in my um late 20s and it was a childhood friend of mine that came to me i was already making shoes not barefoot shoes making you know as we discussed earlier i was trying to make shoes with people like the wu-tang clan i had a shoe company that was um pioneering eco shoemaking but they were still conventional shoes they had heels they had quite stiff soles quite sort of pointy beautiful shapes as we might see it you know might have seen it once upon a time i was even making extraordinary architectural heels that were interesting from a shoemaking point of view with a dutch architect friend of mine so i was i was kind of in the shoe industry trying to make interesting sustainable eco-friendly shoes but then this old childhood friend of mine came to me and said and he was a student of, of industrial design and his father was an Alexander Technique teacher. Have you heard of Alexander Technique? The sort of postural alignment um, therapy. A lot of actors and singers and um, sort of people in the performing arts use it to uh, um, master their, 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 their instrument, you know, the, the body's instrument. Um, and, it's, and it's practiced better. And, uh -huh. and he and he learned about barefoot through this kind of postural alignment therapy. And and he was a keen sports guy. He, he was getting injured a lot. And so so he basically um, came to me with a Nike Hirachi, he cut the sole off the bottom of it and stitched a tennis racket cover on the bottom of it and said, this is the way shoes should be made. And, and I just instinctively loved the idea and I associated my happiest, healthiest times being barefoot by the beach and 
um, growing up, I was I was lucky to spend long summers basically completely barefoot on the coast of England. And um, but but that's that's the way round it came, right? Mm. So the, the he introduced me to like this is the way shoes should be made, and I guess I just and then and then we we sort of reverse engineered it from there and went back to going oh shit maybe we start from the foot and then through him and his father and then subsequently people I met I, I started then then learning about foot anatomy then learning about biomechanics then experiencing it from the prototypes we were making and then and then and then and, and, and it's the kind of truths that sort of slowly unpacked over a period of time that after a certain amount of you know once you know it you can't unknow it you can't unfeel it my feet changed my whole movement experience changed the people we started sharing the shoes with were sort of giving unbelievably positive responses and you know that was a five six year period and then it was in 2012 that we finally launched vivo barefoot as a standalone brand and i was like i gotta stop everything else i'm doing every other shoe i'm making how can it possibly be sustainable if it's literally damaging health it's literally disconnecting us from nature and i just you know um but it was a it was a long process of re-education that's so cool i love i love hearing those origin stories where it just this is this is how it came to be and the fact that <laughs> the fact that it was a tennis racket cover stitched to a Nike Hirachi, uh, it's fascinating to me, and it just makes tons of sense. You know, the 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 anatomy of the foot is kind of interesting to me because you know people have different shapes of foot. You know, I I I have a really high arch, and so do my kids, um, and a lot of people that I train jujitsu with, you know, or just you know people I know have have fairly flat feet. And, and, and so it sort of begs the question, you know, does a, does a Vivo barefoot shoe, does it matter whether I have a high arch or a flat foot in terms of the Vivo barefoot, like giving me all the benefits that I'm looking for in footwear? So um, a couple of aspects to this. Um, it's true. Foot shapes are really different. And there's a Swedish company called Volumental that have um, a database of nearly 20 million foot scans, 3D foot scans. So we've been able to study these foot scans and put them into um, systems. And so within a size eight, the variety of arch height, um, width, all kinds of these, you know, bridge height, all, all kinds of um, dynamics beyond just the actual length of the shoe. Um, the, the, the variation is is massive, right? And you can you can pretty much ascertain from that that more than sixty percent of people that are size eight are wearing poorly fitting shoes, right? And 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 Vivo Barefoot doesn't get off scot-free here at all so we we arguably make some of the softest most flexible forgiving shoes in the world so we probably capture a greater percentage of people just because the shoes are soft and flexible and so we you know you can get away with a lot more 
different types of shapes before the shoe becomes non-fitting. But, you know, as soon as you get into slightly thicker soles or slightly more rigid shoes, you know, you're into a world of very few people that are size eight actually fit a size eight. Mm. And, you know, long production lines um, creating, you know, size eights that are all exactly the same. You know, you, can, you know most size eights don't fit size eights. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. And we've seen all the data to back that up, all the foot scans to show that. So, um, you know, does it matter whether you have a high arch or a low arch? Is that perfectly natural to have some people have high arches? Of course it is. Does the foot function less well whether you've got a high arch or a low arch? No, the foot is designed to have a dynamic arch. And if it's shaped a bit more differently to begin with, ultimately the important thing is the arch is able to be dynamic and dynamic in movement. And if you look at a natural foot, you know, like the, like the, the sort of, let's say, ball to heel distance, you know, it, 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 in, in the um, suspended foot versus the loaded foot, like the, 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 the change is huge, right? In a, in a natural, flexible, healthy foot. Your average foot is really, it's a bit rigid and stuck, right? So, um, and which then makes quite a big difference your your initial arch shape because it's stuck in in one position either in a really high arch or a really low arch but actually the important thing is the dynamism of the arch mm-hmm. um so what am i saying that the, the the answer to your question is um foot shapes are really different most people are walking around with really poor fitting shoes in the big production system of we live today and the best thing you can do is get really soft flexible shoes that forgive that are forgiving to the different shape as as forgiving as possible and allowing natural movement. Um, but yeah, it just it just highlights the it, and the, the the real problem behind the the global shoe industry at many levels. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're on the topic, let's pick on another piece of you know popular footwear. Um, maybe you want to badmouth these guys, probably not, but I'm going to go there anyway. <laughs> uh, Crocs. Crocs, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting design. I owned a pair years and years ago. I think I was the first person that I knew that, that owned a pair. They're insanely popular. They're cute. They, you know, you can put different stickers and, and pendants and stuff on them. I, without fail, my, both my kids have a pair of Crocs, you know, for taking out the garbage and, you know, here and there, you know, they, they make decent like uh, river shoes for the kids, but really consistently my kids feet get sore wearing crocs and i have to imagine that it's it's because they're so so squishy and the foot is constantly trying to manage that squishiness i mean it's got a wide wide toe box but it's like the it when you heel strike it squishes and you know after the kids are playing by the river for you know, a couple hours, their foot, their feet hurt, their heels hurt, their ankles hurt. Uh, maybe you want to, maybe you want to shit all over Crocs. Maybe you don't, but I, they can't, I see so many people in Crocs and I'm just like, man, that is not good for your feet. I mean, is that fair? <laughs> fair assessment? And, that, and, and they're growing like, like they've never grown before right now. And they've, they've done a, you know, an interesting job of defending their intellectual property, whatever that may be. But look, if we go back to the very beginning of the conversation, the, the 
the different aspects of the foot the, the um you know you need to have a wide flat shoe for the big toe to function well you need to have a um and 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 crocs are fairly wide and fairly flat and you know that but they're, they're spongy so you could say they're a little bit flexible and so they kind of do allow the foot a little bit to move but that's but they're so thick and they're so spongy they definitely don't allow the nerve endings of the of the foot to feel the ground at all and because it's so, and, and and actually the lower the density and, and crocs are really low density and they're really spongy that that dampens the vibrations a lot so actually if they're a higher density you, you know, you, you get a more accurate ground reaction feel, as it were. But, but like you say, because they're so soft and because they dampen the um, sensations of the ground reaction so much that the body's kind of in panic all the time, especially a kid's body, um, because they're, they're, they're grasping for, for feeling, right? And, and, they, and, um, and, and crocs sort of confuse the brain so much with every step that's being taken in a croc. And because the brain's confused and it can't sort of get accurate information as to what's going on, especially if a kid's moving around a lot, and they're relatively unskilled movers as young kids, because you, you know, you're born not being able to move at all and you have to go through the most skilled milestones, right? As, as a, you know, the, the, the human race produces very useless young humans um and so you know they, they need to learn a lot before they're capable they're they're, they're 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 ready to be set free unlike most other animals so so young kids i'm not saying your kids are useless you know they're still learning should we say right and 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 and, and they're still learning movement and they're still learning and a crop really um gets in the way of that motor skill um, environment right that motor skill learning environment and because you can't feel the ground the brain then panics right and then that's what causes when you when you panic mm. that that what you tense and then you start using muscles and movement is designed to be part of the animal brain it's designed to be a very elastic fun um the, the body moves a lot better in a relaxed state of mind than an intense state of mind, right? And, and, you, and you get relaxed state of mind when your brain is relaxed and your brain can feel what's going on. When the brain is confused, that's what causes tension in the body. That's what causes over muscle action, et cetera, et cetera. So good for being flat and wide, bad for big spongy soles that in the end actually create quite a lot of tension in the body because the brain is confused fascinating i never thought of it that way i never thought of it as a the nature of the sponginess causes the body and the brain to go like i don't know what we're doing here i don't trust the ground we're on i don't trust that we're steady and sturdy here because we're constantly you know wobbling back and forth yeah, interesting. So, well, then, what? What? Maybe there's a general answer to this, but what? What are the worst shoes? What are the worst shoes for people to wear? You know, if you if you want to learn really great, healthy, natural movement, uh, and how old are your kids? Uh, ten and seven. Okay, yeah. So, you know, even younger than seven. You know, like let's take a sort of five-year-old. They've still got a big brain that they can't quite sort of hold and, and head that, that, that on a really spindly spine that they can't quite, you know, it's quite a, still quite a challenge to 
keep it upright, as it were, right? So they have to get their posture super accurate to to to, to stay upright because the brain, the, the head is still a relatively massive thing compared to the spindly spine and structure. So if you watch a five-year-old running around a swimming pool, completely barefoot, right? And they're running as fast as they can. They're having fun. They're laughing. And, they're, and they couldn't do it any other way unless their brain was perfectly above their hips, perfectly above their feet. And they were taking lots and lots of little steps. But they can, they can have fun all day long, completely barefoot, on concrete, you know, running as fast as they can, in and out of the water, jumping, da-da-da. They never get injured, right? It's, it's amazing, really, when when you think about it. Um, and that is actually how humans are designed to run, right? Upright posture, head above the hips, above the feet, lots and lots of little steps. They're getting tremendous amount of sensory feedback from the feet. So every time they take a, a wrong step, the brain immediately corrects it. And that is really healthy, natural human movement. And what happens over the... <laughs> from that sort of five-year-old kid that can run and run around barefoot as fast as they can all day long, never ever getting injured. I mean, maybe they fall over and, you know, cut their knee or whatever, but, um, you know, they're not getting sort of knee injuries or, or hip <laughs> Um They, um, you know, what happens from that, from, from that five-year-old to adulthood is that they first, well, they, they start putting things like crocs on and crocs allow them to move in a really unnatural way. They allow them to overstride, take really unnatural steps, sort of, you know, it's the same like when you put an animal, when you put shoes on an animal, they suddenly start moving really spasmodic, spasmodically, right? Yeah. Same with kids, right? And they start, so they start developing sort of crappy movement habits. And of course, the other thing is we, sit them down in chairs and say sit down don't move shut up do your work you know um and and, and the sedentary lifestyle thing obviously doesn't help yeah um so it's um unfortunately a, a long slow slippery slope from that healthy five-year-old running barefoot around a swimming pool to the painful 50 year old that kind of thinks they can't run anymore and got chronic knee hip back pain mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> no, you, that that that's such a great you painted a great picture there a kid running around a pool for seven eight hours in a day or playing on the beach and the way that they move the way that they run the way that they jump and play and cut you know like they it's shorter steps just to keep their head just to keep their head up above their hips that's a really fascinating thought there um, the, the, there's this idea, you know, for this podcast, it's, that's really heavy on performance optimization and biohacking, you know, it's, it's obvious to me, the connection between, you know, the, these things that we have on our bodies, the, including footwear that are either disconnecting us from nature or connecting us from nature and the way that our bodies evolve, the way that we, you know, our, our ancestors move through, through the world and Vivo Barefoot's have and I know it's part of the ethos of the company which is to like connect with nature is that yes we 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 fine wear some shoes when you're going on a hike but wear shoes that are going to connect you with nature rather than exclude you from nature and I got a pair you guys sent me 
um, uh, your, your, your people sent me a pair of the tracker Deacons and I did, uh, I did 12 miles. I, I did a no, no. I went from what I typically wear, uh, for hiking, um, into the trackers and I, and I felt more connected. I felt more embodied. I felt more connected to nature as my foot went over rocks, as my foot had to navigate over uh, tree stumps. My my, I felt more graceful. I felt more connected and more in my body than I had ever before with any other piece of footwear. And, you know, the sort of old school hiking boots with really rigid soles and bright red laces and all these loops and stuff that made the made made you know hiking through the woods on these really flat surfaces it's a totally different experience than than wearing the vivo barefoot and and i just wanted to share that because i absolutely love them and i told you this before we turned the microphones on but after i got back from that big long day of hiking i wiped off the bottom of the shoes and tried to wear them in the house because i loved them so much and my wife was like no no you don't get <laughs> those in the house uh, it didn't last long uh, wearing the shoes in the house, but I, I was I was I was blown away by how connected to my environment I was, and I assume that that's like center the bullseye for what you're doing, right? Let's cut a couple two really good two really interesting things you raised there, right? So one is actually a, a great way to get back to barefoot natural movement is just walking in nature. Um, I mean, first of all, you're walking, not running, and and hiking is a you know, and which is which is which is really important. Just to take it easy, walk before you run, and and actually, when you're walking in nature, like you say, and there's there's rocks and stumps and whatever, you you just you know, you you would naturally sort of take it a bit slower, be a bit more conscious. Um, you're not just charging ahead, and you're, you're you're you know, you're actually engaged with the environment, and and your brain then is obviously engage more and and you're actually getting a you know you're living a very vital movement experience but but not going too fast still walking so that is a really fantastic way to slowly transition back to natural movement and a a way in some ways to fast track the return to natural foot health and function um so i couldn't endorse more just just hiking in in barefoot shoes is a fantastic way to to transition back rather than let's say running or or, or walking around in cities it's it's because you know you can you sort of forget about it in a city and you sort of still keep your old habits as it were and you're slightly less conscious with every step you're taking and you're not sort of obviously as appreciative of the nature around you and um you know really living it as a, as a as a conscious experience and 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 also you're happier and more relaxed out in nature it's good for you on many many levels so much research shows just by even looking at nature your brain settles into a much happier state of mind so um, fantastic way to get back to natural health function just going for a hike with less shoe on and then but then the bigger thing there is you know humans don't have hooves or pads on our, on our feet. We have very sensitive feet f- for a reason and, and their organs for a reason. But also then, you know, um, because they're designed to be very feeling parts of the body. 
So to go along with that, one of the first tools humans would have probably ever made when they wanted to, to run fast and hunt down an antelope or when we all left Africa and started to cross the mountains and get into colder climates and things, some of the first tools we ever would have made to allow those journeys out of Africa would have been shoes. And, you know, lo and behold, humans have been making shoes for, you know, however, how, you know, however many years you think humans left Africa ago, you know, uh, let's say it's somewhere between 50 and 100,000 years. So humans have been making shoes for a long, long time. And um, the shoes that humans made for the last, let's say it's 100,000 years, for the last 99,000 uh, 800 years were pretty good barefoot shoes, right? When we arrived, the first people that arrived in the Americas would have made bison moccasins and they would have made them person by person, foot by foot. You know, they would have cut out, they would have measured the, the, the local cobbler, whoever it was, or, you know, in, in your tribe or gathering or whatever, would have um, measured your foot around and, and made a beautiful pair of bison moccasins for you you know and, and there would have been a pair of reindeer moccasins if you ended up in the arctic and there would have been a pair of buffalo moccasins maybe in india and if you ended up in a rainforest you might have had a pair of um yukata woven sandals they're all very simple barefoot shoes that allowed the foot to function and actually would have fitted you because they would have been made for you um, from the local sustainable materials and obviously every step that those humans took for those 99,000 years would have been in nature um, wherever it was in the world and we would have been wearing footwear for, that was appropriate to the climate and the terrain um, and it worked pretty well here we still are today we survived yeah. <laughs> and actually you know <laughs> if we were injured we were in pain you know we probably would have been food and and so you know apparently natural barefoot movement served us pretty well for the last ninety nine thousand years and it's only quite recently that we started wearing heel pointy sort of status driven underfoot technology starting with horse riding stirrups pointy shoes heels and then it, you know, it became ceremonial and peacocky, and the status led to one thing to another. And anyway, we can get into the history of shoes. Uh, you know, uh, well, whenever you want, really. <laughs> yeah. could go on and on. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you seen what Kanye is wearing now? Yeah, he's making like cool little um, Japanese tabby sort of ninja shoes, right? And. That's a that's a that's an interesting point. That those tabby shoes, right? So they were probably some of the some of the most ancient shoes uh, made that are still sort of relatively modern. The Japanese always are a bit more advanced than the rest of the world, and they take ideas from the rest of the world and they make them better. And those shoes are really sophisticated. You know, that let's say the tabby, they were worn by samurai. You know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and they're fantastic perfect barefoot shoes and in the Japanese case they separated the big toe a little bit to give that slightly extra dynamic movement you see that in the ancient samurai footwear also perfect barefoot bare footwear 
there's no underfoot technology and samurai are pretty badass dudes right wearing a lot of crazy armor and and, and yet basically barefoot um and you know as, as you were mentioning earlier you know all of the most skillful movements in the world all the martial arts you don't do them in hokas <laughs> like you couldn't do that kind of skillful movement with loads of padding under your feet like skillful <laughs> you need to feel the ground to be able to do skillful movement and if your yeah. life depended on it and you were up against someone else you wouldn't choose a big pair of spongy shoes right you wouldn't you'd be at a great disadvantage yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah i you know when i saw when i saw when i saw yay cruising around italy you know being sensational and and basically like you know spandex socks kind of looking you know footwear uh i thought well that's kind of interesting that that even that even you know even yay is uh is is sort of reverting back to a a more minimalist you know shoe walking around the concrete uh in in those i i i couldn't help but but bring it up because i i was fascinated by yeah, it yeah look, he's got a pretty cool instinct for shoes and actually the the yeezy itself is is a pretty um interesting almost indigenous upper design right that um so so you know he he's you know he's obviously a gifted guy on 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 many levels interesting character in many other levels but you know he he's a gifted cobbler and and, yeah. and 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 the instinct of the Yeezy was was quite was a really clever way to make the upper of a shoe and then it's interesting that he's evolved now to want to feel more with his feet and go in that direction you know good on him yeah right on <laughs> what what's the what's the motivation as i sort of zoom zoom way out what's the motivation for you to be making the podcast rounds right now what what what's driving what's driving you to to speak out more frequently and more openly openly about about um vivo barefoot i i, I genuinely think the the world would be a happier healthier place if people wear less shoes uh, we're in a we're in a we're in a pretty uh, critical moment in the world right now, um, and you know there's there's wonderful brands like Patagonia that are, are, are become activist brands, um, but on the level of like humans need to save the world, you know, and and to some degree that's right, but 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 actually, you know, perhaps a slightly more nuanced thing is that humans need to actually. Uh, nature will save humans, not the other way around. And humans need to reconnect. Nature's going to be fine without humans, right? Right. It's going to be. In fact, it's going to be a lot better if we just get the hell out of the way. Um, and, and 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 but but I think nature wants humans to succeed as well. And 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 nature wants us to to learn about uh, and come back to to her. As it were, so and and look, I I genuinely believe that it starts with kids, but it's also the same for adults. That you know we're all one people connected on one earth through two feet, 